Welcome back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I'm glad you're here. It's time for episode 10, The Emperor's New Groove. Now, now this one, this one is actually made for kids and adults and just about everybody in between. I mean, it's a smart movie with smart comedy that hits on a lot of different levels. And I am super excited to talk to you about it today. A quick reminder that if you want to watch along with me, and by watch along, I mean participate in my summer movie challenge where I'm watching 48 animated Disney movies over the course of the summer. There's a printable copy of the challenge list available on my newsletter, justkeepswimming.substack.com or in the show notes. There's a new issue of the newsletter each week where I talk about pop culture, life lessons, and really just whatnot, anything that kind of comes to me. So you can subscribe to make sure you don't miss the conversation, and it will get delivered directly to your inbox every single Sunday. All right, but first, an overly simplified summary of Disney's animated feature, The Emperor's New Groove. Wait, what about the story? What about a random introduction that only barely connects with the movie at hand? Well, the brief interlude has to do with a quote from the movie, so I thought we'd set the scene with our summary. Seems only right so that we're all on the same page. Savvy? So a self-involved, selfish Incan emperor is ousted by a power-hungry political consultant and transformed into a llama after drinking a magical potion that was intended to kill him. The llama emperor seeks the help of a commoner, who incidentally is land he is trying to commandeer. I don't know why I'm using a lot of pirate lingo. I don't know what's going on tonight. But he's trying to find an antidote. They're working together to find an antidote. A chase ensues and hijinks ensue. And along the journey, the self-involved, selfish Incan emperor kind of finds a conscience, which is good. And everybody lives happily ever after. That about sums it up. I mean, it leaves out all of the humor, but we'll get to that in our list, of course. See, I've been a big fan of The Emperor's New Groove since my first viewing. There was one line in particular that stood out immediately. And before I reveal this one line and my connection to it, I want to say that to base an opinion about a movie on just a few short words, in hindsight, seems kind of ridiculous. I mean, the particular words in question, even more so because... They don't really play any part in the story. They're just kind of said offhand in a way. I mean, they're almost a catchphrase, though. So thank goodness that this movie has a lot more going for it. But nevertheless, these words have become a part of my own vernacular, and I adore them. So here we go. All right. So my love language is not physical touch. It's not that I don't appreciate affection, but f- when faced with the choice of to hug or not to hug, a good 85, 90% of the time, I'm going to pass on that hug. I mean, there's reasons for this. There's, um, I don't know, a long, complicated story about a girl, early development, and then, you know, the unwanted attention from older strangers. But to say that I'm better now, and that number is still 85 to 90%, probably gives you a pretty good idea of my feelings about touch in general. That number, though, continues to go down because a hug from one of my nephews is one of my favorite things on the face of the planet. So I'm getting more used to physical touch. I don't always love it, but I'm getting more used to it. Have you guessed what the line is yet? I mean, it actually happens a few times in the movie, but the best is at the beginning of the film. So Kuzco, you know, the emperor, has walked in on Yzma, that political consultant, taking audience 
with, as Kuzco puts it, the peasants. So she is actually sitting in his throne doing his job, and he's not offended. I don't even know if Cusco gets offended at the beginning of the movie, but he, he's like, what are you doing? This is, my, this is my job. So while she jabbers on with excuses, Cusco gets distracted, which is not surprising because he's kind of full of himself, by a piece of greenery stuck in her teeth before Kronk, who is Yzma's witless, I don't know, I guess you'd call him an aide, her sidekick, he comes up next to Cusco and gently taps him on the shoulder. And that's when we get Cusco's catchphrase, no touchy. And you kind of have to use your hands in a very stiff karate chop kind of way. No touchy, no touchy, no touch. So I know that seems silly. I mean, it's seriously a little thing, but a little thing you don't ever really see in pop culture, a character that just doesn't love being touched and whatever Cusco's reasons are. It's his right, right, to not give consent. And I just really appreciated him vocalizing that decision instead of suffering through. I struggle all the time with saying no and being kind, being considerate of others' feelings, but also acknowledging my own. And that working in the teen room at the library has really brought that number down because there are times you just get hugged by a teen, sometimes unexpectedly, always done in affection. And of course, course, always with another adult in the room. Um, But for the kids that need that kind of affection, need the tap on the arm, need the high five, um, you just, you kind of do it. You become used to doing it. But to see a pop culture character that says, you know what? Um, No, thank you meant a lot to me when I first saw this movie that, hey, you can say no thank you. You don't have to be super rude about it. Cusco's maybe a little rude about it. Um, but it gave me something to say in those kind of uncomfortable moments, at least when it's like a sneak attack hug. Like, nope, no touchy, no touchy. <laughs> that feels a little Debbie Downerish and kind of vulnerable to be a little honest. But um, that is always what my mind comes to when I think of this movie. Well, I also think of Yzma and Kronk, which we'll talk about, but um, just that simple little line and his reaction to it meant a lot to little Emily. But let's lighten the mood. Let's do this in the form of, of course, the list. Number one. Now, if I had to pick a voice actor, I don't think I would ever intentionally choose David Spade. And just about everything I've ever seen him in, he plays the the annoying, whiny, sometimes screechy character. But you know what? It makes him perfect for the role of Cusco. He brings the vibe in this movie, and his comic timing is spot on. Actually, all of the voice actors are excellent in this one. Patrick Warburton. Oh, Patrick Warburton as Kronk. John Goodman as Pacha. Eartha Kitt as Yzma. They're all brilliant. I mean... Warbert and Goodman really level out the crazy of Spade and Kit in just the right way. So it never goes too far, which sometimes I had a problem with that in Aladdin. I mean, Robin Williams is a genius, a comedic genius, but improv and allowing the character to go that step or two too far, um, where it kind of feels like it drags on the movie, that never happened in this one. Number two. This is also one of the most quotable Disney movies. I mean, there's no touchy, of course. There's um, squeak, squeak, squeakum. Squeak, squeaker, squeakum. You threw off my groove. So many excellent lines that can be used in a number of real life situations. 
And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, I do tend to quote movies quite a bit in my real life. Sometimes people get it. Sometimes they don't. I have the few people in my life that get just about everyone, and I do appreciate them so much. Uh, but it's nice to have a good movie quote in your back pocket to throw out in certain occasions. Number three, why, why do the Incan guards in the opening musical number do a form of Irish step dancing? That just doesn't quite seem to fit with the culture or the time period. I mean, it's a peculiar yet joyful choice. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice dance. And the 1970s Tom Jones-esque vocalist also fits with the setting, but really gets, doesn't fit with the setting, but really gets the, the party started. So just interesting choices for this particular movie that I actually really kind of liked. Number four, the non-linear storytelling with voiceover narrator was a great choice. I mean, it moves the story along. It speeds up that intro. You really do get quite a bit of character development in that opening song and um, scene when Cusco's kind of bossing people around and then meeting Yzma. It was a great choice, and it brings the plot full circle, which is also really cool, too, when you kind of finally catch up on the timeline um, it really gets the movie going, which I really enjoyed. Number five, Yzma and Kronk are hands down my favorite villainous duo. They, there are villains I like better, but they are by far the best team. They are both so ridiculous. They're both horrible at following through and actually being villains. But I love the portrayal of Yzma as almost a crazy scientist when they go down into her lair where the potions are at the beginning of the movie and they have the costumes on and she just gives off that crazy scientist vibe. And Kronk is really just a good guy who just started hanging out with the wrong person. I don't think there's a villainous bone in his body. He's just like, yeah, this is my friend. I'm just doing what I do. And they, yet they seem to genuinely like each other, which is interesting um, to see this kind of good guy, bad guy sort of dynamic that they get along and, and they enjoy each other's company because they stick around with each other at the end. Yzma didn't have to stay with Kronk, I mean, even though she was a, a kitten, but she does, and she learns to speak squirrel. Number six, the humor works for kids, but it, it is obviously for adults. It's sophisticated enough that it reaches multiple demographics, but it's also the kind of humor that makes for wonderful repeat viewings, especially if you're growing up with it. So to show a kid the movie when they're little and they get the jokes they get and then show it to them at different stages of their development and they start to pick up on other things, um, it's really cool. Number seven, just, you know, one of those general statements. We should all, we should all have our own theme music like Kronk. And we should all hum it as we are going on a mission or a journey or a task. I mean, this is not out of the realm of possibility to me, for me. At work, my staff can oft, often sing me direct imaginary music that's playing in my head. So to have my own theme song and playing it out in real time and humming it loudly is actually something that I would do and maybe I should just start doing. Why not? Number eight, I love Pacha's wife. Actually, I love his whole family. The precocious kids are adorbs, but, and I, I can't remember how to pronounce her name, Chicha? Chicha is a strong, sassy, opinionated pregnant woman. You don't see too many characters that are pregnant in Disneyland. Do we see any other 
pregnant Disney characters? I mean, it's mentioned in Lady of the Tramp, but you don't actually see a pregnant belly. That's the only one I can think of um, that even alludes to a pregnancy, really. I thought 101 Dalmatians did at the end, but I, I was mistaken on that. Maybe it was a sequel. That's always possible, but I don't tend to watch Disney sequels. Am I missing one? Let me know. Number nine. So I've come to the conclusion that Disney movies are better with a journey, or I like them better if there's a journey. The characters, they need something to do, a clearly defined goal. It just really kind of keeps the movie flowing. Plus, you get a better redemption arc or um, character development arc, in my opinion. But I, I tend to like the ones with a journey better than the ones without a journey. Number two, the nonlinear timeline isn't the only genius move. Also on that list is the, um, the running gags sprinkled throughout, like the traveling by map, which shows up, Kronk cooking a couple different times when he talks about his spinach puffs, and then he's at the diner making food and knows all the lingo. Cusco talking to the groove breaker at the end um, and apologizing to them. All of this really pulls the story together nicely. Even the, the no touchy, you get that a couple times. Um, you meet Cusco's family a couple times in different situations. So they, they do repeat things, which is really fun. Number 11, anyone else that this one kind of think this one gives off Saturday morning cartoon vibes? Do you remember Saturday morning cartoons? Waking up and stumbling into the living room to watch now classic cartoons like Heathcliff or Inspector Gadget or Transformers or Animaniacs. I mean, cartoons just aren't the same now. Or I'm just old. I think both are true. And yeah, I know there was, what it was it? The Emperor's New School. And I think I even watched that on some Saturday mornings that it wasn't too bad. They had a lot of the same voice actors, which made it great. I, I always, that was part of my problem with Disney sequels is it wouldn't be the same voice actors. And you're like, this is just not the same. That is not actually Aladdin. I'm sorry. Um, but it just, it gave off a Saturday morning cartoon vibe. And finally, number 12. I like this one because <laughs> talk about running gags. Um, I like this one because animals, they act like animals. I mean, yes, there's a talking llama and a kitten, but that's because they're actually humans that end up as animals. The squirrel cannot talk. Panthers, they stalk their prey. The other llamas, they are just llamas. It's as it should be. And the magic makes sense that it's a potion and that is the only magic in the world. Man, there's a lot of reasons why I love this movie. It just makes sense. So the Emperor's New Groove has an obvious lesson that ends in redemption for Cusco. When given the choice, choose to be kind. I know it's not always easy, but it is a choice and it, you can choose to do so. Power can consume and can strip kindness from a person. There are any number of situations where this comes into play, where you, your reaction might not make you want to be kind. The other person's reaction may, might make you want to be kind, but it is a choice and you can choose to do that. And power for the wrong reasons can bring this out in you. And that's Cusco at the beginning of the movie. But we also come to see that Cusco is kind of alone. He has tons of people around him, but no friends, no family. He has people to order about, but no one to hold him accountable, really. 
Now, I don't know his life. I'm not sure where his parents are, if they were just like him, or if there was, I don't know, some traumatic event that brought him to that particular place and time with a bit of a stunted personality. But regardless, we also see the importance of surrounding ourselves with the right people, the kind of people that both see and bring out the best in us. Pacha brings out the best in Cusco, and through Pacha, Cusco learns how to be kind. This life is hard. I mean, it's even harder all alone, especially when you don't have to be. So this, this is a rewatcher for me. When you're in the mood for just the right amount of slapstick, or if you're anything like me and like to occasionally put on a movie that you can nearly quote from the beginning to end, like The Princess Bride, maybe. <laughs> so it's definitely a rewatcher. It's not just a one-time thing. The final wrap-up, favorite scene? I love the travel by map scene when Yzma and Kronk are chasing Cusco and Pacha through the jungle, and they eventually end up on Pacha's hill at his home. And the way his family works together in this beautiful kind of synchronization of families that know each other well to make Yzma just look ridiculous. And all the while, Kronk is just, you know, having the time of his life as Kronk seems to do. I mean, it's just, it's a great stretch of movie. Favorite song? Well, it's not a musical, so I guess it's the opening number. (laughs) That's the only one really to choose from. And my favorite quote, I mean, of course, it's no, no touchy, no touchy, no touch. But I also really like you threw off my groove. Um, I can see myself using that one quite a bit as well. I, I do like to dance. Am I good at it? No, I am not. But heaven help the person that gets in the way of me and my groove. So what do you think of The Emperor's New Groove? Where does it rank on your list of favorites? Is it a rewatchable? Is it a, eh, I could take it or leave it? Let me know. I would love to hear. So I did knock out a couple of movies off of the list, actually. I was pretty excited about Cinderella got marked off. And then I, of course, had to immediately watch the live action that was released a few years ago, which I really liked, actually. Helena Bonham Carter as the fairy godmother was a brilliant casting choice. I also watched Mulan, which you may hear me talk about in a future episode because one of the songs makes my tops list. And I am going to be doing a, a podcast about songs and superlatives with a friends. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm halfway through Fantasia. I have mixed feelings about Fantasia. It kind of always puts me to sleep. So (laughs) I think I'm going to try to finish it this weekend and not after a long day at work. Maybe that'll work. So I think that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be so awesome if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I'll see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.